Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello there and welcome to So I Got To Thinking, your weekly podcast where we take the iconic questions of fictional journalist Carrie Bradshaw from Sex and the City and ask if they're still relevant today. You are joined by unmarried woman Juno Dawson and toxic bachelor Dylan B. Jones. (laughs) Hi Dylan. Hi Juno. How are you? I'm good. Like last week, we've come fresh from finishing the episode 30 seconds ago. Refreshed. (laughs) Refreshed. You know how the titles of our episodes usually are the title of Carrie's question? I'm Mm -hmm. not sure if we can even like put that as the title this week because it's so problematic. (laughs) I mean, sadly, I I think we have to because that is is her question. But indeed, this week we have been watching season two, episode 10 the caste system oh god and it it explores the um kind of differences or supposed differences between different classes of people (laughs) um as as they put it that's not my words and it just discusses mostly covers kind of dating or having any kind of relationship really with people who are in different social and financial situations from you so the plot the plot runs vaguely as follows so we have carrie and big first of all and it's interesting i think well two things jumped out first of all was the fact they acknowledge it's spring sex and the city super fans will know that sex and the city was entirely written in eternal spring that was oh. that was the note given to the costume designers so that they would know how to dress the characters. And the first time we see a New York winter is in season six. And there it is used to represent Carrie's autumn of the soul about her decision to leave Manhattan oh. to move to Paris. So, of course, the first time it snows is when she decides to leave Manhattan. But we've never really talked about class before in Sex and the City. Um... And I do love, although it's incredibly problematic, I do love the scene where they're sat having their pedicures done. And, yeah. sh- and Charlotte says, you're trying to pretend we live in a classless society and we don't. And she nods, nods at the poor women who are... I thought that was, despite all the awful things that Charlotte said in that scene, when mm. she said that, I was like, that's a very good point. <laughs> I mean, she, she's right. I mean, that was obviously political context yeah um you know margaret thatcher wanted to abolish any notion of class in this country and and of course we know that that's just not true and we see that we see that now more than ever obviously 
the 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 great thing about us recording at home during lockdown is is that we are able to record and post these much more rapidly than we did with season one and and of course this week class has been very much on the agenda because of course our leaders have decided that to use Charlotte's phrase, working class people should be forced to go back to work and expose themselves potentially to coronavirus in a way that middle and upper class people won't have to because we are able to still self-isolate, basically. Yeah. All those journalists, politicians, um, media people, publicists, we are all still much, much safer being isolated in our own homes, whereas those people that we explore in this episode, um, cleaners, um, nannies, bus drivers, train drivers are now back at work, potentially being exposed to a virus. And so, yeah. of course, we cannot pretend we are in a classless society in a way that Carrie does. She says, honey, we're not allowed to say working class anymore. It's the millennium. Whereas, <laughs> actually, we have to be able to say working class because we still have such inequality in society that actually we have to be able to talk about that inequality because at times like this, when, when the shit hits the fan... We know, of course, it's people living in poverty who will be affected first and worst. Yeah. While all of this has been coming out, I've been thinking, God, like, we need to do something. We need to protest. But, of course, the thing about this situation is we can't fucking protest. Mm. Like, we, the, we can't go on a street protest. And the government know that. Um, so maybe that's partly why they know that they can get away with this shit. Well, I mean, it's it's terrifying. I think what happened last weekend with Boris Johnson announcing these perplexing new rules around lockdown, it's we're in dictatorship territory. He didn't yeah. he didn't put those he didn't put those suggestions to Parliament. We we have democratically elected representatives. You know, we didn't vote. You know, unless you live in Boris Johnson's constituency, you know, we didn't vote for Boris Johnson. Of course, I wouldn't have voted for Boris Johnson if I had a gun to my head. But, um, <laughs> but um, you know, I voted for my local representative down here on the South Coast. So why isn't my representative in the Houses of Commons, either by Zoom or in person, representing his constituents and saying, well, hang on a minute, these rules are going to affect the bus drivers they're going to affect cleaners they're going to affect care workers and so at the moment oh it's scary stuff it's horrible i think it's that reminds me i think it's slightly different in um the u.s now i am not an expert by any means on u.s politics but i spoke to some cousins who live in massachusetts and they said thought that um the, the governor of Massachusetts released a public statement saying disregard everything our president is saying, which is unprecedented, but it's good that they have the power to do that. We've seen this around the world, these sort of populist far-right leaders, and Hungary is the most chilling example at the moment. They have, they've taken this as an excuse to bypass the usual parliamentary systems. Yeah. And, and that's just terrifying. I mean, Who'd have known that right-wing politics has a correlation with people not caring about lives? Mm. And pe- <laughs> Who'd have guessed? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, this is what, you know, in America and the UK, we, you know, we 
again, I say we, the big, the royal we, that we voted for these populist people we'd seen on television. I said this last week, you know, Donald yeah. Trump, Boris Johnson, and we've ended up with fucking clowns. But anyway, yeah. we di- we digress. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is, this week we, obviously we're in a pre-COVID Manhattan. Yeah. And finally, we really acknowledge that Big earns a lot more money than Carrie and comes from a slightly different world. Carrie comes from a world of hip downtown performance artists called Jeremiah, <laughs> and Big comes from stifling cocktail parties with grown-up socialites. Can we talk about the bejeweled handbags? <laughs> so, uh, so firstly, I actually think that handbag is kind of fab. Oh my God, um, Dylan. <laughs> no, it's grotesque. <laughs> but then that's in like, that's coming from a context of like East London drag queens. So like, <laughs> um, I loved that party and I love Serena Bush as well. Oh, Serena no, Bush is amazing. No brown. No brown, no brown food or drink. <laughs> <laughs> What's Paris Hilton's mum called? She has definite vibes oh, of that. Yeah. Is it? No, Nikki Hilton's the sister, isn't she? But yeah. um, there was definite Hilton vibes about Serena Bush. Yeah, um, so Big, yeah, Big takes Carrie to, is it enough? No, Park Avenue, a Park, Park Avenue, Avenue party. Mm. And <clears throat> Carrie's attitude and behaviour at that party is very, really reminded me of myself. I was just about I, to say. <laughs> whenever I end up at a party in like Chelsea or Clapham, that is exactly how I behave. <laughs> yeah, there's there's something about that. And it's funny, a long, 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 long time ago, I dated, I won't say who he wrote speeches for, but he wrote speeches for a politician. He had a very rarefied upbringing. He was very, very right. posh. And do you know what? There was something about being around someone who did, let's use their word, someone who came from a different cast as me, that yeah. really brought out, like, Comrade Dawson. Like, <laughs> I mean, my, my life, you know, really even from childhood, because my dad was quite upwardly mobile. So I was born in a council house, but quite quickly we moved to the suburbs and had a nice yeah. big garden. And So actually my upbringing was fairly middle class, but yeah. there was something about being with him that made me like a fucking chimney sweep or something <laughs> like I really rebelled against him and again yeah when, when we went to nice restaurants I remember you know they brought an amuse-bouche like I know what an amuse-bouche is but I was like I don't understand like I didn't I didn't order it like it's it's like a bit of pigeon on a crisp it was oh my god amazing I mean it for was me, a, a bit of pigeon on a crisp let's be honest for me it's more just like I mean I'm not going to pretend that I'm not middle class but it's those kind. It's the, just the kind of stuffy of those kind of upper class people. It's just that kind of stuffy faux formality that just makes me. And whenever I end up in that situation, I do like I'll light cigarettes inside and tell loud jokes about sex, just because you just want to, don't you? <laughs> oh, hundred percent. It's it's a funny one, but again, it's those things that are proof that there is a class system. And oh, yeah. it's, it's interesting because there are times as well where I will put on my best behaviour in order to <laughs> manoeuvre with movers and shakers. And, you know, I've been in a very strange situation that I have been granted access to politicians on both mm. sides of the divide. You know, I, I've sat down with Angela Rayner and Don Butler, but I've also sat down with Penny Mordaunt and Maria Miller. And yeah. and you do, and I believe the phrase that we would use now is code switch. Yeah. And, you know, in order to try lobby Penny Mordaunt on trans rights, I had to become 
Princess Diana. You know, that was the only way to, <laughs> was to speak her language and, you know, to be so polite and so refined. But the Well, fact you know I, what? If, if that's what it takes, then... Then that's what you have to do. But yeah. the, fact, the fact that I think we all know how to do that as well says there is a subtle acknowledgement of that we know there is a system because otherwise yeah. there wouldn't be a code to switch because I would yeah. have been like, oh, I can just be the most Juno version of myself. I don't need to code switch. So, yeah, so we know, I think... Unlike Carrie, there's, I don't think denying there is a class system isn't going to get us anywhere. And it's yeah. only going to keep poor people poor and keep rich people rich. Um, but yeah, I did. I must admit, after last week wanting to throttle Carrie, I actually rather liked her this week. And so did I. And my favourite, my absolute favourite line of the episode and one of my favourite lines of the whole show is when <laughs> Big says, were you really out there giving the caterer a blowjob? And she says, first of all, he's not a caterer. He's a very well-known performance <laughs> artist. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, amazing. So to, to give the context of the episode, Carrie's crisis this week is because she accidentally tells Big that she loves him yeah. as, as a response to being gifted a hideous, in my opinion, <laughs> a hideous handbag. It kind of pops out. She knows she loves him, of course, but then because she can't bring herself to say, fuck me this is hideous she instead says oh i love you um and then she starts to panic because he doesn't say it back now this is understandable i still think as a society we put a lot of weight on the first time you say i love you it's really really weird like like I've never worried about, you know, I've never subscribed to don't have sex on the first day. I've never subscribed to, oh, it's a big deal if somebody meets your friends. But saying I love you for the first time does still weirdly carry a lot of weight, I think. Yeah, I would agree. And I think it's because you have to have a lot of courage to say it. And everyone knows what how significant it is, obviously. But it's interesting, but you're so right. Like, it's strange that it still carries weight when most people, or like a lot of people now, don't put as much stead in, as you say, sex on a first date or whatever. Do you, or have you found it, um, do you find it difficult to say? Or do you, do you know when it's right? Or what do you think? I think in the past, sometimes I said it too soon. Right. Um, <laughs> before I really knew what love was. Um, and I think in my 20s, I perhaps said it too fast as a way to progress the relationship on my timetable rather than when when I really felt it. Um, With Max, it was the thought of losing him that made me realise, oh, I think I do, I think I'm falling in love with him. And I think actually, and maybe this is a bit of a cop-out, but I think the state of falling in love is slightly different to being in love. And I think yeah. before I think before I told Max I loved him, I told him I'm falling in love, which maybe that's a real coward's way of doing it. But um, it was certainly... I don't know. I think that's almost more kind of... That's more romantic, if anything, I think. I'm falling mm. in love with you. Like, that's... Yeah, that's sweet. I like that. Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, we... I think, and then once, once the L word is out there, it's... Again, I can understand why Carrie was on edge when Big didn't say it back. Because really, you you want it back, don't you? You want, even if, you know, even if somebody just says, I love you too, which carries less weight than I love you. But um, yeah, the, the fact that Big leaves her hanging right up until the end of the episode is... I can see why she's troubled. Although he does say it back and he says, you know, it, it's gotten him into trouble in the past and that. But then him saying you know I love you 
is yeah. a bit is a bit bullshit as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a bit of a um it's a bit of a get out of jail free card, isn't it? Yeah. Do we do we think now let's roll back a few weeks to when we looked at the cheating curve. Now yeah. in this episode, Carrie does snog Jeremiah. <gasps> did did she cheat on Big? Do we think that constitutes cheating? Again, this made me um, like Carrie and like the show a little bit more after last week's car crash of an episode because I feel like that's realistic behaviour. Like, these little things do happen. Like, people do get pissed with their friends and snog them and then not tell their boyfriends. Like, and I love that they put that in the show. Have you ever Um, snogged someone? Have you ever snogged your mates? Is that what you're saying? Is this your way of admitting? (laughs) Um... Probably. <laughs> See, I um, haven't. I've only snogged Max for years now. So it's, it's, oh. a funny, it's a funny one. But then I think, again, sort of heterosexual rules are just a little bit different. Yeah. Um, just a bit different. Um, um, should we... Uh, oh, should we have a break first and then let's, talk about... Let's t- yeah, let's take Samantha. a break and then we'll come back and talk about... Oh, God. <laughs> okay, we'll see you back here in two. Bye. <laughs> 1 size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to So I Got to Thinking. This season, we are being very generously sponsored by our good pals at Brighton Gin, Brighton's independent gin distillery. And each week, we will be bringing you a cocktail recipe that you can perfect with Brighton Gin. And this week, this week sounds delicious. It's an Earl Grey martini. Mm. Now, you will need some loose leaf Earl Grey tea one tablespoon, a bottle of gin and ice. So easy. I mean, who doesn't have loose leaf Earl Grey tea just sat in the cupboard? <laughs> I know I know, I do. I do not. Um, I would, however, rip up and rip up in a tea bag with Earl Grey tea in it, I guess. Put the Earl Grey tea in a large jug, pour the gin over it and stir with a long handle spoon for about 45 seconds. Strain the gin through a tea strainer. Um, 
over a funnel back into the bottle you'll see some leaves are still suspended in the gin which is fine rinse out the jug and using a coffee filter strain the gin a second time to get rid of all the bits this way the gin will be stable and the flavor won't change and do you know what it will be good for months so you are gonna have earl grey infused brighton gin could you just put a tea bag in it instead? <laughs> I mean, why not? Why not, Dylan? I invite you to try that. Either I'm kind of down for the idea of Earl Grey infused gin. I can imagine that would be nice, sort of like iced tea, but mm. gin, sort of, yeah. I'm going to do it. I'm going to try it with some Brighton gin. That's yeah. Brighton gin. So let, let's let's look at the other three girls. Um, yeah. I mean, let's spin the wheel. Um, who, should we do, who should we do first? Should we just get Samantha out of the way? Okay, let's get Samantha out of the way. This was such a bad time for Max to wander in. You know, he, oh he, he wandered in for about 30 seconds. And in that time, he did, the, he did hear the fateful line, Samantha realised she wasn't so dim, that sum. So that line is unarguably racist. So it would be racist even if the character was Chinese, but she's not. She's Thai and dim sum is Chinese. Yeah, it's just racist. There's no two ways about it. 100% woke, woke <laughs> Charlotte has had a tiny stroke. Charlotte is apoplectic. And um, yeah, it's so the plot is, as we explore imbalance in class between in couples um samantha is dating someone who has an actual servant which is her words not mine and she's called some and she's thai and the gag is that she she presents as very docile and subservile to his name's harvey harvey durkle i think she's very subservile to harvey but then as soon as harvey is out the room she becomes abusive to samantha and calls her a dirty cock-sucking whore which is (laughs) i mean that's a great line keep keep that line um but yeah no it unfortunately plays up to racial stereotypes yeah completely Um, and, and it, it's not good. It's, yeah. No. It's another one of these weird Sex in the City things where it's just like, why? But I guess at the time it was people found it funny. <laughs> but now not so much. I mean, the thing is, the the, the, the conceit of having, having someone who behaves very differently around her employer, there's a joke <clears throat> in that. There is a joke. Yeah, um, yeah that's true. And it could have been done with a... I don't want to use the word servant because that's just unbearable. Let's call her cook. You know, you could have done that with a cook of any ethnicity. You know, a cook yeah. who is very, very nice to Harvey's face. But then as soon as his back is turned, she becomes a demon creature who drags, <laughs> yeah. drags Samantha out of bed. It's unfortunate because those jokes are quite funny. But then unfortunately, they're mired in the fact that it plays up to stereotypes around Asian women. and Well, it has certain parallels with like the maid um, of the older rich guy slamming the door behind her doesn't it very um, much so yeah which so we've and it's funny so that we've almost done this plot once this season already yeah um which is strange but it's and it, again not even that many weeks ago was it that was three weeks ago i think yeah so we, we're on some similar territory again oh that reminds me i stand corrected when i said that Sex, that this series of Sex and the City is quite short. I think I said it's 12 episodes. I had mm. a look, it's actually 18, 18 episodes. Yes. 2, two, three, and 4. 2, 3, 4, and 6 are the long seasons, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if there's anything we can glean from Samantha's plot. Although, can we briefly talk... I mean, this is so... 
I often think about deleting Twitter. I must admit, I often think <laughs> I it's did time, it. it's, you, you did, you got rid of it, but it was kind of worth it this week for all the fucking transphobic shit I get on that hell site. Yeah. It was, it was worth it for a group of transphobic British columnists choosing their new hill to die on, which was the importance of having your cleaner during the time of coronavirus. Wow. Um, so I mean, yeah, having, having domestic help, is hugely topical this week, as as certain columnists <laughs> said, it is fine to endanger your cleaner because they don't want to clean. I've found a lot of things that have come out of this very interesting. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say on it. Um, Just, yeah. I mean... People's priorities are... Well, well, that's what it is. We're really getting a real insight into people's priorities, aren't we? And mm. people's selfishness. I mean, I love that. We, we have columnists who, who they do not have enough hours in the day <laughs> to write 2,000 word think pieces about um, trans women, <laughs> about trans women being a threat to feminism. And yet they cannot get their teenage children to clean their houses. <laughs> Therefore needing to expose working class women to coronavirus so they can write their transphobia. I mean, uh, you you absolutely love to see it. And of course, they were given quite a tough time on Twitter. I do not in any way, shape or form condone internet pylons or internet bullying. But <laughs> given, given that these women have done nothing but make my life hell for about four years... I slept well last night, Dylan. That's all, <laughs> that's all I'll say. P.S. Public service announcement. If you can still afford your cleaner, keep paying them to stay the fuck home. Oh my God, yeah. Absolutely. Come on, kids. Don't be awful. Look get, after- out those, get out those marigold gloves and do the dishes yourself. <laughs> do, you know, do you know, again, I because I love him, I do not mind saying Max and I, we've made Monday morning our cleaning morning. He does the bathroom and kitchen. I do the living room and bedroom. Everyone's a winner. We've continued <laughs> to pay our cleaner. Amazing, amazing woman called Andrea. Um, we, we just pay her as normal because oh. I... I do not want her to get sick because she feels she has to go to work. So I think you're slightly more the winner doing the bedroom and the living room, maybe. Well, <laughs> they are the bigger rooms and I, okay, I also have to do the staircase. Oh, okay. That's Hoover, hoovering stairs is no fun whatsoever. So No. The thing about some of the storyline, it didn't really like make that much of a statement about class. Like, I don't really know what the statement was there, what the point was that we were supposed to take away from that. No, it was a cheap gag about an Asian woman. Yeah. So let's maybe not dwell on that. And let's the, move on, the yeah. slight the slightly more this is probably the first time I've rewatched Sex in the City since I've been with Max. So I've been with Max for two years and there are parallels between Steve and Miranda's relationship and my relationship with <clears throat> with Max and and I earn a lot more money than him. And it has, at times, been an issue. Interestingly, for me, not for him. Now, he came in during that scene where Steve and Rando were buying the suit... Yeah. Where Steve, in, and it's quite, you really, really feel for Steve that Miranda yeah. has kind of corralled him into buying a $1,800 suit that he simply cannot afford. And because... because I earn more than Max. There's been things like, you know, if we want to go on holiday, you know, I'll book the hotel, you know, for both of us. 
because otherwise yeah. we're not going to go on holiday kind of he'll pay, he'll pay for his own flights and stuff but and i sort of said did you did you ever feel like steve and he and he sort of shrugged and he, was like, he said oh i think this is a bit of its time Mm. He was like, I've never minded that you earn more money than me. I think his exact words were, I think it's fucking fantastic. So um, <laughs> it's funny. And I think what put it into perspective for me was, I, I'm not going to name any of my friends, but but a lot of my friends are very hardworking women in the media who also out earn their male partners. Yeah. And actually it was, I needed role models. I needed role models of women who were out earning their partners and it not being a problem because surely that was the point of feminism. I do think that, and this is speaking as a gay man, so I can't, I'm not really that sure, but from what I've heard from um, people in straight relationships and straight people, straight single people as well, is that a lot of that bullshit for our generation has started to go out of the window, I think. So like mm. I've asked straight friends, things like paying on dates and straight friends have said, like, oh, now you mostly just split the bill, for yeah. example. Um, which is great, like, as it should be, I think. Of course. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of taking it in turns. And again, I think it's funny, again, what I've learned from Sex and the City, which was Miranda's Pizza. Oh, weird fact, I've been to that pizza parlour. Oh, really? Oh, it yeah. looked really good. Oh, so fit. Quite hard to eat because the pizza's quite floppy. Yeah. Um, but delicious. I've been, yeah, it went there in 2009. I hope it's still there. And... Um, so that's a little bit how Max and I swung things. I learned from Miranda, which is, you know, if I want a super bougie meal and that's my choice to go for a bougie meal, then I get it. Whereas if it's a Max night, it's like, if, you know, if we go to the cinema, yeah, he can get the tickets, you know, and it works out. And I think the the term for it in sort of psychology or sociology is equity and exchange, which Uh is the, the... you know, things don't necessarily need to be of the same financial value. It's more about what you're putting in, in terms of fairness. So it's like, you got that one, he got that one. And no, they're not of the same financial value, but we, there is an element of taking in turns, an element of sharing. So I remember, um, I have a similar kind of system in place with one of my good friends who is on a six figure salary. And whenever we go out for dinner, if he's picked the restaurant, I know that it's going to be expensive and I also know that he's going to get the bill because that's just how it works. Yeah. Um, and But the last time we went out, he said, oh, I thought I would um, get the bill and you can just do the service charge. And I was like, okay, cool. And even the service charge was 30 quid. <laughs> oh my God. Where was this yeah. bougie place? <laughs> it was an oyster restaurant in Piccadilly Circus. It's quite well known, I think. I can't remember the name. Ooh. But it was, um, yeah, it was extravagant. Fancy. 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 And... <clears throat> um, so I I, re- I, l- I liked that that little thread about Miranda and Steve, yeah. and, I th- and it was it was quite sweet, and it's lovely to see Miranda really happy as well. Yeah, to when see she her, was, yeah, when waxing she was optimistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was really nice. Mm. All will be fine if you're new to Sex and City, although I'm sure you're not. Don't worry, it all has a happy ending. Let, let's yeah. briefly at the end. Let's. So this this week's again, perhaps not quite as ludicrous as Samantha's plot, but Charlotte dates a movie star. And yet another glimpse into Charlotte being like a lot more adventurous than she gets credit for. She literally just like shuts up the gallery and jumps in the back of the limo with him. Like it's like okay. And <laughs> um, I do wonder as well. Again, please don't sue us. I wonder if there is. <laughs> some parallels between Wiley Ford and Leonardo DiCaprio and his pussy posse. Oh, I was thinking that, mm, yeah. Given that the early noughties were notorious for Leo and roaming around town with 
what was it? Who's in his pussy posse? Like Toby Maguire, Lucas Haas, um, just roaming around California. I mean, Charlotte, don't get sucked in. Don't get sucked into celebrity. No. <laughs> I love when she calls Carrie in the back and she's like, I'm about to go and have sex with him. <laughs> and Carrie's like, Charlotte, you need to get out of the car right now. <laughs> yeah. Do you know anyone who's ever been with a celebrity? Uh, I must do, surely. Not like a major one. Like, I know a couple of people who have slept with, like, drag race contestants, but, like, that's not, um, <laughs> that's, does that count? I suppose that counts. Um, no, but after, after we've gone off air, can, can you tell me who they are, please? Okay. <laughs> okay. I guess, because I knew people who've gone out with quite much, but then actually, the because these people are my friends, and I wouldn't be friends with them if they were, like, Wiley Ford. So yeah. some of some of my friends have careers on television or radio, but the reason they're my friends is because they're nice, <laughs> and yeah. and so actually and no, also, they, they don't behave like that. And also, like I don't know anyone to who slept with like Leonardo because like it's only comparable to someone who slept with like Leonardo DiCaprio or like Matt Damon or someone, isn't it? Um, I'm trying to think who is right. So who if do I know anybody who slept with anybody really really famous? I don't think I do. I've heard, I've heard rumours about certain Hollywood <laughs> stars who go to chemsex parties, but... Oh, same. Uh, yeah. Again, we'll, we'll talk about that off-air, off just because yeah. we don't want to get sued. But Because um, Max Max did say during the three minutes of this he watched before he walked out, which is, you know, would you would you sort of ever have your head turned by a big mate, somebody with, like, real capital? Mm. And I was just like, no, because actually I've recognised... That actually, what what is important is somebody who has emotional maturity and is kind and funny. And actually, I don't think if like a Hollywood actor was going to breeze in, yeah. I don't I don't think I would give two shits about the fact they were a Hollywood actor. To be honest, I'm afraid I'm afraid that I would. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that you admit that. It might be because I'm a child of the or a teenager of like the 2007 kind of shitstorm, like. When I was a teenager, all that was at its peak. So I was kind of taught to like really value and really idolise celebrity and really kind of found it all really exciting. And I think I still do to a degree, even though like most of the world no longer does. So yeah, I would totally be in the back of that limo. <laughs> if, if you could if you could be in the back of a limo with any movie star, Dylan, which would it be? Idris Elba. Interesting. Who would I go for? Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh yeah, mm. always a good one. Or John, oh, or John Ham. Oh, John Ham, mm. yeah. Mm. Interesting. With his, no, I'm not going to say it. Um... <laughs> I, know you, I know what you were going to say. Well. <laughs> so, oh, I suppose we should really think about Carrie's ridiculous and slightly offensive question, shouldn't we? Which is, um, can you date outside your cast? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, well, let's first of all, I'm going to unpick the question, which yeah. is, I think, I think the phrase cast is incredibly loaded. I yeah. think instead I'm going to rephrase it for the 21st century and say, can you date someone who earns a lot more or a lot less than you? Yeah. To which I think the answer is yes, because that kind of shit just really doesn't matter. But I'm going to emulate uh, Charlotte slightly and say that... Um, there would inevitably be, be a few complications, but I think mm. you sh- could and should be able to work your way around them. I really do. I think, again, for me, it's not about 
equal finances it's about equal <clears throat> contribution are yeah. you both putting the same amount into the relationship and you know although i earn more than max i have never ever for a single second felt that our relationship was unbalanced i think we put the exact same amount in in terms of our emotion in terms of love in terms of the hard work in terms of compromise and so i think that's what makes the relationship work i think yeah Can we talk about that lovely, lovely letter that you got from one of our fans this week, Dylan? Because that really moved me. I thought it was lovely. Does it say who sent it? But just let's... Yeah. Let me just um, open it quickly. Yeah, we got sent to our at S-I-G-T-T on Instagram. And just a lovely message that's uh, from one of our listeners who said, I'm on furlough and facing cancelling or postponing our wedding and listening to you guys on my walks. It's proving a most welcome distraction. Um, so that's nice. Keep them yeah, coming. That was so lovely. And again, obviously, Max and I had to postpone our wedding. We are far from alone. Um, just solidarity out there. Always. I know, I, I know this just feels endless, um, but it's you know we will continue to look out for one another and i think there will be a day where we can all see each other again and dance wildly to the spice girls and <laughs> get absolutely shit-faced on bright and gin cocktails amazing until next week when we'll be watching season two episode 11 evolution take care and um, you please do send us your lovely messages on at S-I-G-T-T podcast on both Instagram and Twitter. Um, You've been listening to Juno Dawson. And Dylan B. Jones. And we'll see you next week. Bye for now. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.